0: All right. Welcome to a special edition of the Cava Ships podcast, produced in conjunction with the Service Navy Association's annual symposium. This special edition is sponsored in part by Huntington Ingalls Industries. HII is the largest producer of unmanned undersea vehicles, making transoceanic missions possible. HII, delivering hard stuff done right. And by GE Marine, a GE aerospace company, offering unparalleled power and propulsion for ships from the biggest combatants to the smallest, fastest patrol boats. GE's propulsion solutions are ready for the next generation of sea power. Learn more at geaerospace.com slash marine.
1: All right, day two of our SNA coverage. We are very lucky to be joined by retired Navy Captain Mark Bach, uh, the Vice President for Strategy and Business Development at Advanced Acoustic Concepts. Mark, thanks for joining us.
0: Morning, Chris. Glad to be here.
1: So before we jump into um, AAC, um, you are, as I said, a retired Navy captain, uh, nuke-trained submariner, right?
0: Absolutely. absolutely. Okay.
1: So we're uh, the the highlight of this discussion will be to talk about the variable depth sonar uh, decision that the Navy made almost a year ago, um, and the products that AAC uh, offers both the U.S. Navy, but also partner navies as well. Um, but you are, you know, as a, as a submariner, very well equipped to talk about uh, sonar. And uh, for me as a PAO, I'll, I'll a former PAO, I'll try to keep up and not, not slow down the conversation.
0: <laughs> no part. problem. Thank you.
1: So, 2022 was a big year for for your company. It was Uh, indeed. Yes. So uh, you guys were previously a, um, I I guess, a part of uh, or a joint venture between Talus uh, and between DRS. Now you are um, uh, simply a Talus company. Can you tell me a little bit about um, how that came about and the significance of that maybe for the the broader maritime audience that might be listening?
0: Absolutely. Um, I I think that the uh, Although we had uh, a 51-49% ownership sort of joint venture, uh, that Talus, uh, corporate Talus, decided that AAC had products and capability and expertise in the area that they uh, favor in the world, and that is undersea's, the undersea's domain, uh, specifically, uh, in, in, in large part, acoustics. Uh, very large company worldwide worldwide. Um, uh, and, and dominant in the, uh, in the international community, but uh, not as, uh, in terms of markets, not as dominant in the U.S. industry. So I think it was a mutual agreement to the two companies uh, to, to move the ownership 100% to the Talus Corporation. Uh, by the way, we are a proxied uh, company, a U.S. company, and therefore uh, protected uh, to do classified uh, development for the U.S. government uh, as a proxy to the Talus uh, Corporation.
1: And you guys, as part of that, um, I, I guess, separation, didn't miss a beat, right? I mean, you you, you know, you just kept doing what, what you needed to do. And uh, for most people, that probably was a seamless uh, tra- transition.
0: It was indeed seamless. And, and my hat's off to both TALIS and DS, DRS. It was uh, a very uh, well-orchestrated and mutually agreed-to um, win-win situation. Uh, Tal- AAC is still a, a defined entity business line within TALIS, as it was under the JV, and uh, to Talis's credit, uh, they're giving us um, a lot of latitude, uh, not only to continue to govern AAC as it has been in the past. The leadership did not change. Uh, the uh, the uh, personnel are still uh, intact. And, and there, as they were before the merger, uh, we've simply become under new ownership, essentially only change that's uh, occurred uh, corporately.
1: So I mentioned at the top that uh, 22 was a big year. Um, I'm looking at... Uh, at a, at a clip that I have from, you know, the April timeframe where um, Rear Admiral Casey Moten, who has been a, a guest on this show, um, he made the announcement um, that uh, the Navy had chose the Captus 4 variable depth sonar ma- made by AAC um, to be the, um, you know, the, the sonar of record, if you will, uh, on the new frigate. Um, what's the significance of that decision, and what does that um, – uh, variable depth sonar bring to the constellation, um, that maybe we were missing, um, you know, the, the trials and tribulation without, with the LCS mission modules has been well documented. But when, when this ship comes to the fleet, um, what will this, uh, VD, VDS, um, give us that we're missing right now?
0: Well, there's actually two sort of perspectives, to that question. Uh, one is that this particular system is, uh, already, uh, in operation in, uh, in, a number of countries internationally, and most of them or all of them, uh, partners of ours in a coalition and uh, NATO, um, on the order of 60 systems are out operational today. The U.S. Navy has conducted exercises with those platforms and have performed very, very well. Uh, in, K- in in one in a couple of particular instances, the uh, the uh, the CAPTAS system was awarded the Hookham Award in in international comp, uh, international ASW exercises. So from one context, it's a very mature system, uh, has, uh, has field many years of fielded activity. And so from a reliability AO perspective, availability perspective, I believe that the Navy has a lot of confidence that they aren't uh, going to suffer from the risks associated with new development. So primarily in the U.S., the process is a process of integrating mature components. So we would part of the, QS, the Q89 combat system as part of the system. The MFTA array is the receive array for the active transmission. And really the transmitter or that big, what you see on the floor out there, which is the big yellow four staved um, transmitter is what puts the sound in the water is the new piece to the US Navy. That piece, as you mentioned before, is variable depth sonar. And the Navy, uh, US Navy now has re-embraced variable depth sonar. And that isn't unique to the Talus product. That became part of their um, vision for ASW on the LCS, as you mentioned before. <clears throat> Fortunately, um, this system, as mature as it was, and with AEC as an already um, uh, experienced company with that system in the U.S., which I can go into in a minute, uh, it became a seamless decision, I believe, for them, not only for us corporately, but for them, uh, Navy corporately, to to designate that as the chosen system for the ffg62 does that answer your question chris
1: yeah it does i mean you know there had been criticism i think of some of the proposals for what um what system they were going to put on the constellation but this really does make it a no joke asw platform uh d- doesn't it i mean th- this really sort of beefs up what that ship provides I mean there had been some criticism that it's a, a mini DDG and that you know they tried it was trying to do all things for all all folks and I won't ask you to get into that but in terms of the variable depth sonar it makes it a very capable ASW
0: platform Yeah I would concur wholeheartedly and uh, I can stay away from how the Navy envisions using it just to say that a variable depth sonar allows you to put the sound uh, in, the, in in the in the same depth stratum as targets. And that's fundamentally different than most of the rest of the active systems that are on surface ships. So I believe that the this active system with the power that it brings to the active uh, transmissions uh, works to look f- look at uh, more closely at longer range detection as opposed to uh, you know uh, shorter range um, defense. So I, uh, if you if you ask me as a former submariner, um, the Navy is looking at active systems for uh, you know longer range search.
1: So I'm I'm now looking at my cheat sheet here. Um, this uh, your your sonar is on the British Type 23. It is the Type 26, the French FREM, the Italian FREM, the Spanish F110s, and the Chilean T32. That's just the Captus four. You have other uh, you have other sonar on, on other platforms. From an interoperability standpoint, in a working together standpoint, how, how important is having a common um, you know sonar and asw suite to working with our allies whether it's in europe or whether it's working in the pacific
0: well it certainly enables the possibility that we could work as a, an integral coalition in searching for uh, asw targets um that of course is uh, probably not within the range of for me to, to, to elaborate on sure. too much but what i would say is the the 60 or so systems that are currently deployed in the nations you just mentioned represent an instantaneous capacity to ASW when the U.S. Uh, brings that system into uh, the U.S. fleet. Uh, so if you think of the FFG-62s as being commissioned two or one at a time, whatever the Navy decides to to uh, to commission, introduce the platforms, uh, as that comes on over the years, they will join an existing coalition of CAPTAS-4 VDS systems already deployed. As I mentioned before, there have been international ASW exercises using this system and gamefully employed as they were. The Hookham Award became the output. Uh, having demonstrated its utility in the coalition war, war, uh, exercises, I think it bodes well for our future as the U.S. You know, joining that coalition. Uh, having said all of that, as I mentioned earlier, it's a uh, move that the Navy has made towards a uh, – a, um, a more flexible longer search sort of uh, active system so um what is the next chapter
1: for uh, captis um or vds for aac um you, you know the first frigate or the first two frigates won't hit the fleet till you know late 20s early 30s um and and, you know by the time you bring in all of those frigates we're looking into the the 30s maybe even the 40s depending on how many they build how will you all continue to make this platform
0: relevant to the threat and uh you, you know keeping pace with technology um that's a very good question chris um What I I would offer is uh, sort of a vision from an AEC Talus perspective on where the CAPTAS system could go. Um, First of all, I'd offer that the Talus systems are scalable. So although this has four staves and puts a lot of power in the water, uh, Talus also produces two stave and one stave systems, which scale down in footprint, weight, size, and power. So conceptually, we could put the active system on a number of other platforms that could work with the FFG-62 and these coalition partner partners, um, vessels of opportunity, uh, perhaps even smaller vessels, perhaps even unmanned in the future. So what you would be looking at is uh, is a is a capa- ASW capacity introduced to the Navy maybe faster than you could otherwise build ships to introduce that ace AS- that those sensors. <coughs> We that this, of course, is an opinion of mine sure. and mine alone that that the scalability and the capacity of active ASW could could be accelerated significantly if we take advantage of that of, of vessels of opportunity and uh, other uh, potential tow platforms for the for the active systems.
1: How about the learning curve for the force in terms of using the, the variable depth sonar? Uh, I mean, this is not something that we we uh, well, I'll say it a different way. the, the Navy hasn't been doing this uh, very much for, for very long if that makes sense. Um, what, what from your perspective, I mean, what is the learning curve or is that kind of all part of integrating and bringing on a new system?
0: Well, I would say it, I would say starting off it is all a part of uh, and IOC for the FFG 62 is still a far enough off that we're working very right. carefully with the Navy to look at, Devex, uh doctrine development, uh, concepts of operation, uh, training systems, et cetera, and working at that as early as we can to make the FFG62 a success as a subcontractor, particularly to F- FinCAN Terry. Um, but, but having said that, um, it's, it's, a, it's an insightful question for those of you in the audience who are ASW acclimated that the decisions of where to place the transmitter in depth, what speed to tow it at, and where to put the listening array in that uh, continuum is all sort of a l- one level more difficult if you will than traditionally having one an active system fixed to the hull. Uh, i've talked to the, many of the navy trainers about this shift in sophistication if you will of decision making and i believe that they're uh, that the u.s as a force has all that experience it needs as you mentioned before, submariners have deployed active uh, signals right. in, in depth, uh, variable depth and speed for, for for years. It's what we do. But actually the surface community, for those who've been around for a while, would recognize that we had VDS systems in the water 20 or 30 years ago and right. played around with those systems. And so <clears throat> I think that the skills and the learning are there to make maximum use of this new application of this technology it's not a new technology it's not a new warfare warfare area but that it will be a transition from cold war passive asw that we will have to embrace as a force and ac talus are here to help with that transition in any way we can and in fact are um, looking for uh, the audience willing to listen to the fact that this the sum of the pieces is greater that the whole will be right. greater than the sum of the pieces if we do it correctly and I would tell the audience that, um, that, that um, the surface community and the Navy uh, have embraced this idea of maximum effectiveness, maximum effective use of this new uh, flexibility in, in, in active ASW. Now, remember, we're talking active ASW. Receiver arrays are also passive and will be the MFTA. So anybody that, that – that the FFG62 will have a choice – to be active and receive on the MFTA or be passive only. Um, the DDGs, as everybody on the phones here would know, has a choice between the bow-mounted active and all of the options associated with the MFTA. So to some degree, the experience of the MFTA and the 89 system is is what we've been doing, what the service communities have been doing forever. It's really just taking this new, active, deployed flexibility and making the best possible ASWs that they can make of that. It, and Chris, I don't I'd take any follow-up questions on that, but if you know what I'm what I'm getting no, at. No, I think
1: that, I mean, I think that's an important point. And um, I, I didn't want to interrupt because I, I, I think you've you really explained it well, because uh, again, the criticism was uh, on the constellation that maybe, or, or there was a fear that we weren't going to make it as robust an ASW platform uh, as maybe we could have. And I think for you know, I'll foot stomp what you just said. I think that answers the criticism of that um, or, or or should make people feel feel better. I won't put you on the spot. It makes me feel better. Um, you, you know to be able to get a little bit more and and as I said to you guys before we came on the air, um, you know th- this announcement didn't get a ton of fanfare when it was announced. I mean, there's a lot going on um, you, you know last year, and there's been a lot going on with the constellation. Uh, program. My, my last question for you is: as you as we start off 23, is there anything that you are? I mean, this is kind of a cliche question, but are, are worried about or that you're working through that that you know that that kind of makes your head hurt at this point in the integration process? Or are you guys kind of where you need to be on glideslope?
0: Well, I'd like to say that uh, Finn Cantieri has been an, a, a tremendous prime uh, and uh, have incorporated. Uh, us into their design um, since inception and and we don't have any risks that we're managing for Fincan uh, that right now we're terribly worried about now I would ask them to comment on whether they see us AC sure. as, a, as a subcontractor in, in those terms but we are on schedule uh, we are on cost and we expect to deliver uh, on or before need in the shipyard uh, for the uh, for the captas for system that we're delivering to FFG62. So um, I think the short answer to your question is no, we are not really terribly concerned about anything particular. Uh, I would like to point out that the system will be fully integrated and tested in the US in our facility in Pennsylvania. So this is a U this will be a US in built and integrated system, but obviously uh, we We will take advantage, have taken advantage of, will take advantage of everything that Talus Corporation can offer the U.S. through the proxy to us that would allow for that learning curve to be accelerated. Uh, and enhanced by, uh, by what what has already been uh, experienced with the systems as they're deployed. So I'd like to make sure I reiterate again that fink is our prime. We're, we deliver to fink as a subcontractor, not to the U.S. government, right. and they've been a fabulous prime so far.
1: So I, I said that was my last question. I'll ask one bonus question. Sure. Anything else that AAC is working that you'd like, you know, maybe plant the seed? I'd love to have you back on, but, I mean, anything else that, you know, folks should keep an eye on that they may hear about here in
0: the next quarter or two? Well, I think the answer to that is uh, absolutely. Um, AEC is also the prime for the mission module C three pieces that we're going that are going on and we'll and we're going on in the LCS. So, mine warfare primarily in ASW, we're already integrated into mission modules and those mission modules, as everybody on on the podcast will know, I think, were meant to be uh, expeditionary in the sense that we would meet those mission packages meet the LCS in, in a deployed condition and integrate on the ship so that they could be reoriented to new missions quickly. Inherently, that isn't necessarily dependent on the LCS. In other words, any host right. could create that same uh, modularity uh, and extent and responsiveness that a system like that could offer. So since the mission modules were gonna be ASW, the government had already sig- had made significant progress towards making those the, those modules asw modules arguably the asw system could become uh expeditionary or modular in that sense and uh nac uh will work with the us government navy to see if that concept uh has whole gains any momentum
1: sure now i could tell you're being you're being very diplomatic and uh, very careful in the words that you choose. But I mean, I, I think for the the lay listener, um, a lot of the work that was put into that, there's a lot of potential for other things, whether the Navy, you know, however they decide to use LCS. But the good work and the good capability that companies like yours have put into these mission modules, whether it's unmanned, whether it's perhaps marrying it up with some other type of ship. Um, and the SWO boss talked a little bit about that today and and some of the things that, that he's considering. So that's good to hear. I'm glad that you, you mentioned that, um, because as we sort of get rigid and sometimes over-focus on gray Navy hulls, we forget about the capability that perhaps could be, um, used more creatively, uh, you know, across our larger effort.
0: Yeah. It represents perhaps an option for capacity, uh, Whereas we mentioned earlier, waiting on manned platforms to be um, uh, built, uh, uh, fielded and tested uh, isn't necessarily wouldn't necessarily be the pacing event for ASW capacity if you could put these on ex- in an expeditionary form. So uh, I believe that the U.S. Navy uh, is sitting on perhaps an opportunity uh, that uh, we've uh um, highlighted in in our booth. If you saw the animation down there, it sort of depicts how we see the future state, if you will, of active ASW. Um, and I think that, um, as I say, there, um, some very innovative thinking going in with the Navy now on how we could do exactly what you just said. And that is how do we, how do we gain capacity and the initiative and, and the capability, you know, to go after, um, near term near-term requirements that, that the Navy see as compelling.
1: Mark, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. We've been talking to retired Navy Captain Mark Bach, the vice President of Strategy and Business Development at Advanced Acoustic Concepts, a Talus company. Uh, Mark, again, thank you. look forward to chatting with you again. Uh, and if folks get to SNA, they should swing by your booth and check out your uh, the stuff that you brought and ask you uh, any follow-up questions that they may have.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you.